Hello, everybody. Yay. Hello. Always right when the beat drops is when I just decide to jump on in. Hi, everyone. My name's Athena. You might already know me because you might have joined this podcast before, but I'm the host of Space Talk. Um, I'm, I'm so excited, honestly, for every episode that we end up doing here on Colin um, because it's just there's so many cool things that are happening, not only in the night sky, but also with space exploration and um, rocket, the rocket industry. So many, so many cool things to cover. Um, and right now there is a beautiful, brilliant comet that's visible. And uh, it was discovered last year, pretty close to the time that we're at right now. So I'm gonna give you all of the ins and outs of what you need to know in order to observe this comet and to catch it in the night sky. Um, so I wanna ask you all first, um, since we have the emojis that we can add at the bottom right of our screen, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, can you just send me an emoji right now? It's just so I can see who here would be observing from the Northern Hemisphere. So the United States, um, Canada, uh, parts of, uh, yep, okay, we got a thumbs up. Awesome, awesome. Um, if anyone's in the Southern Hemisphere, can you let me know and leave uh, an emoji? If anyone is gonna be doing obs observations from the Southern Hemisphere. Let's just see. Okay, haven't got anything. That's awesome because I was just scrambling a bunch of information to try to get everything together for the Southern Hemisphere because I completely forgot to do that. And we have a whole planet to cover. So um, uh, it's definitely part of my job as an astronomer to be able to um, bring you what's visible from every point on the planet because, well, there's humans all over it. So, um, but we're going to cover the, the Northern Hemisphere first, um, and probably mainly in this episode. If anyone is listening to this episode after after we're live, um, maybe leave a comment if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, and I will do another episode, another show, specifically on how to view Comet Leonard, also known as C2021A1, from somewhere below or south of the equator. So, just let me know. Uh, so this is a really, really uh, fascinating story. Um, I think I remember hearing this in the news when this was discovered um, last year. So I'm going to start off kind of giving us a little bit of background on this comet um, and, and why we're even seeing it right now, how its orbit works and um, why it's visiting us and why we're able to see it for all month, basically. We're able to see it for about four to five weeks in total, which is really cool. So it was discovered last year on January 3rd of 2021 by an astronomer named Greg Leonard, hence why it's called Comet Leonard. Typically, comets uh, would be named after those who discovered it. Um, and of course, I mean, I would totally do the same thing. It was discovered at Mount Lemon Observatory. And um, at that point, when it was discovered, um, it was passing around the sun. Um, and so it was discovered um, at its, sorry, excuse me, it was not passing around the sun. It is approaching the sun now. So it's approaching something known as perihelion. Perihelion means the closest point in an orbit of, say, Earth or another planet or a celestial body like the comet is when it's closest to the sun. Aphelion is when it's furthest away. And when this was discovered, it was about 56 million miles away which was so, so cool. Um, and right now it's heading towards the sun. And so as it's approaching, it's going to be getting relatively brighter. Um, 
but uh, I'm going to give a huge disclaimer. Um, you likely won't be able to see it with the naked eye or unaided eye, so without telescope or binoculars. So I highly recommend just like ordering a pair of binoculars real quick or heading to a store, um, Best Buy sells some binoculars. You really don't need anything fancy. Um, really just a simple 10 by 50 binoculars will be good enough. Um, the number 10 is that it'll make the object seem about 10 times closer than our eye stands alone without binoculars. And um, the 50 is the millimeters, which is the diameter of the lens. So just look for a simple pair of 10 by 50 binoculars and you'll be able to see this comet. Um, again, seeing it with the unaided eye is highly unlikely. Um, however, there is a chance towards the end of December. Um, also just want to pause real quick to greet those who just joined this episode. Hello, everybody who just joined. Um, I'm going to do a real quick survey to, with, with, uh, with the group here. If you're viewing um, this comet from the Northern Hemisphere, can you just tap an emoji in the bottom right for me? Um, just so that I know who here is in the Northern Hemisphere. I know that my three callers before, awesome, just got a thumbs up. Um, if anyone here is in the Southern Hemisphere, can you just let me know? Um, that would be also really helpful. Otherwise, I'll do a future episode um, on that. Okay, awesome. Didn't get an emoji. Perfect. So um, we just gave a quick uh, history of this comet discovered last year, January 3rd, 2021 on Mount Limon Observatory. Uh, when it, and now it's heading towards the sun. It was discovered by Greg Leonard, hence why it's called Comet Leonard. And its name in numerical is C slash 2021, which C stands for comet, 2021 stands for the year, and A1 because it was the first comet discovered of the year. So that's a little breakdown of its name. Um, so now how you can see it. If you haven't already seen some of the beautiful images taken online by various uh, backyard astronomers, amateur astronomers, professional astronomers, and um, astrophotographers, I highly recommend checking it out. It's so cool. Um, one of the, the most highlighted images you might see recently is the comet next to this really bright, stellar looking object. It's a globular cluster known as M3. And it just passed by it um, in, our, in our visual. So it didn't actually go past physically right next to the globular cluster because the globular cluster M3 is located much further away from us. But from our point of view, they crossed paths. And so it caused for really beautiful images. So um, to give you a little bit of background on how bright the object is, as I was mentioning, grabbing a pair of simple binoculars, I would recommend 10 by 50 is the size I would, I would recommend because 10 brings it 10 times closer than what you could see without the binoculars. It's currently at a magnitude of only about 10.64. If you remember us talking about the magnitude scale before, I did do an episode on that, a previous one, I believe is episode three. You can either tune into that or a quick breakdown is the limit in which our eye can see or the naked eye, the unaided eye is about a six. So it's on a number line and you have zero right in the middle. Then you have a bunch of negative numbers. As the numbers get negative, that means the object is actually brighter. I know, kind of backwards you might think, but um, as the, the numbers get positive, they get dimmer and dimmer. So we our limit's about a six. The comet is currently at about a 10.64. So definitely get a pair of binoculars. The only thing that you might have some luck and it's not, it's not confirmed just yet until it happens, 
But as we reach the end of December, the comet might reach about a magnitude of four. So this is when it's reaching perihelion, which is when it's getting closest to the sun. Perihelion is a point of an object in its orbit when it's closest to the sun. Aphelion is furthest from the sun. So keep that in mind. So it's going to reach its closest point on January 3rd, 2022, which is exactly one year later after it was discovered on January 3rd, 2021. It's not a coincidence. That's just how its orbit works. It's passing through our inner solar system and then going back out into space. Now, this is a really exciting um, comet to encounter and to catch because it's once it's it's gone, it's going to be gone for the rest of our lives because, um, <laughs> well, we only live for about 100 years. And current orbital calculations show that the object spent about 35,000 years traveling towards us. And so once it gets away from us, it's going to be traveling far, far out again. Um, and to give you some perspective of the distance, uh, when it was discovered, it was about 5 AU. I'll go over AU in a second from the sun. 1 AU or astronomical unit is the distance of Earth from the sun. 93 million miles is what 1 AU is. So the comet was about 5 AU from the sun, multiply 93 million miles by 5 and that's what you get is, as far as the miles go of how far the comet was from the sun. So really been traveling a long time. Uh, it's currently about 40 million miles from Earth. I know, like you might think these are really huge numbers, kind of hard to comprehend um, because it's just we've I don't think any of us, none of us have ever really um, dealt with these numbers before uh, unless we've run through simulations or are working in the field of astronomy. So um, that is a really, really crazy distance, just to put it into perspective. Now, the comet is going to reach its closest point to Earth on December 12th. So this is now, it's going from about 40 million miles to about 21 million miles. Still kind of far away. So we're, we're, we're good. We're good to go. Like, well, don't worry. The comet's not going to come towards Earth and it's not going to affect us. It's not going to, you know, crash land or anything. So we're good. Still really far away. Uh, but getting closer, hence why it's getting slightly brighter. And then on December 18th, it's going to be pretty close to Venus, only about 2.6 million miles. Um, again, still kind of far. We're in the millions, so it's fine. It's not going to it's not going to collide with Venus or anything. But what's exciting is that it makes for a beautiful observation for us. So now let's get into how you can see it. But first, I'm going to do a music break. All right. After this, we will get into how you can see the comet. All righty. Okay. Just, just a quick, you know, 15 second break. Um, fifth, well, actually, I should start calculating that. See how long those, those music breaks are. So currently, um, it's been the comet is visible in the morning sky. So some of the images that have been taken from the United States or the other parts of the northern hemisphere have been between about five to six a.m. Uh, and so on December fifth, it was recorded over the eastern sky. So you're going to want to face your eastern horizon. 
about 90 minutes before sunrise. Um, so there are some images I've seen where people start setting up their telescopes around 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m., but definitely it, it starts to rise over the horizon um, in that sweet spot about 90 minutes before sunrise. The only thing is it's pretty close to the horizon. It's not that high up in the sky. You're not going to have your head completely tilted up with, with your chin up to the sky and it's going to be overhead, unfortunately. That'd be really cool if that were the case. Um, so I recommend getting elevated, going up on a rooftop or going up on a hill somewhere. Um, basically just getting away from any type of skyline of the city. So my New Yorkers, you might want to go somewhere um, that's either maybe on the East River or on the, actually, yeah, I used, to, I remember um, checking out um, some really great observing over on the East River, so on the East side. And lucky for this, it's going to be visible over the Eastern sky. So if you're able to maybe get over to that side, get kind of elevated if you can, um, you should be able to see it, but it is going to be early in the morning. So, you know, just be prepared for that. Otherwise, maybe do a camping trip, um, either upstate New York or to all my other friends, um, maybe somewhere out in, in the country and going again up on some hill where you can see this or going on your rooftop. So it's going to be um, very close to the bright star known as Arcturus. So it's going to be just above it. And Arcturus is a really, really beautiful star. Um, it's pretty easy to see, has like a reddish hue to it. And um, so you're going to want to keep an eye on that. So the um, comet is going to be just above the star Arcturus. Then moving, because we're getting closer to December 10th, it's still going to be over your eastern sky, but now it's going to be slightly beneath the star Arcturus. So I highly recommend if you don't have any stargazing apps, my favorite app is called Sky Guide and Sky Safari or Sky Safari Plus. Those are two different versions. You can do either one. But Sky Guide, G-U-I-D-E, um, really easy app, super awesome to use. Um, Sky Safari, a little more advanced. Sky Safari Plus, more so for like, the, you know, the, the avid stargazer, the ones who's been doing this for, for a really long time, only because it has a lot of um, different like metrics in there, numbers we might not recognize, right ascension declination for helping set up your telescope. So I highly recommend downloading Sky Guide and then going outside, you can, there's a search icon on there where you can type in Comet Leonard and it'll tell you where to look. So really easy. Or you could even type in Arcturus and you'll know that by December 10th over your Eastern sky, it's going to, the comet is going to be just below Arcturus. So lower on the, on the horizon by the 10th, this will now be about 30 minutes before sunrise. So, you know, you don't have to get up as early as, um, you know, earlier in this month, but you're still getting up before sunrise. And that's okay. If you're not an early morning riser, by December 14th to the 16th, the comet will be visible after sunset. So this is so awesome. Um, the comet is going to be visible um, just after sunset now, once we reach the 14th to the 16th. Um, this is going to be really cool because it's going to line up with Venus and Saturn. Um, so I bet any astrophotographers out there are going to get some really, really cool imagery of Saturn, Venus, and Comet Leonard. You're going to want to face your southwest horizon. So get your uh, coordination set and ready to go. Maybe bring a compass or download one of those apps I mentioned. 
and uh, find out where exactly is your southwest horizon, face it, and then only about 10 degrees above the horizon is where Venus sits, and just below that is where the comet's going to be. So again, as I mentioned earlier, maybe getting up on a rooftop somewhere or a high hill somewhere, just as long as you're above the trees or above any type of skyline, you're going to want to be relatively elevated to catch this comet. Um, it's going to be really, really cool. And uh, by the 16th is when, as I mentioned earlier in today's episode, is when it crosses that orbit uh, with Venus. It's going to be about 2.6 million miles from Venus. So you're going to have a really great opportunity there to get some cool images. Now, towards the end of the month, by December 17th, about 30 minutes after sunset, so 30 minutes after sunset, you're going to have the comet be directly below Venus. Uh, if Venus is probably the best pinpoint for you to recognize in the night sky, because Venus is bright, it rises early, and um, it's it's hard to miss, honestly. It's called, it's nicknamed the evening star for a reason. Uh, uh, early astronomers thought for so long that this was a star until they discovered that it was a planet. So Venus, most likely, when you go out at night tonight, if you have a clear sky, um, and you notice just after sunset that there's a really bright looking star. If it's not twinkling, it's probably Venus. So that's how you can check out Comet Leonard um, on the 17th. Now moving into December 19th, you also still have it about 30 minutes after sunset. And um, by now, by about this point, December 19th is when, as I mentioned earlier, it might reach this brighter magnitude of about four. For anyone who just joined um, the term magnitude, I have an episode explaining the difference between apparent and absolute magnitude and the magnitude scale and what these numbers mean. To give you some perspective, if the comet is a magnitude four, our limit for the unaided eye is six, which means we can see it because as the numbers decrease, they get brighter. So the magnitude scale goes all the way into the negative numbers. The full moon is about a negative 11 and the, and the sun is about a negative 30. So that should give you some perspective. Um, and so this is now a, mag a magnitude plus four. So it's positive. Um, it, it should be visible with, with the unaided eye. I will throw in one more note though. It's not going to be as bright as say a star that's maybe a magnitude four. So I still recommend getting that small, you know, non-fancy, simple 10 by 50 binoculars. 10 by 50 will at least break, make that object about 10 times closer or look, look about 10 times closer than your unaided eye. So I recommend getting some binoculars. And in case you're wondering why, like, hey, Athena, well, why is it that um, the, the comet is going to look, you know, maybe dimmer at a magnitude four than a star that's a magnitude four? Big difference is it's a diffuse body. It's, it's not only losing mass, but it's moving. And so comets, while they're moving and approaching the sun, the sun is really hot and comets are made of ice. And so it's starting to cause some of that ice to start to break off and melt and cause a huge stream of particles, which is what its tail is. And so because of this, um, it's going to look slightly dimmer as opposed to a pinpoint like star in the sky that's a, a four magnitude so long story short moral of the story get some binoculars it'll really help you out when observing this 
Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and do one more music break for about 15 seconds. And then I'm gonna finalize this by talking a little bit about its speed and its orbit, just because it's, it's kind of cool. It's super fascinating. This object is moving right past um, our line of sight. And if anyone wants to join as a caller, you can do that um, now, or you can do that in the next five minutes. I will be taking calls. All right, so let's jump into this for our, our final information of um, Comet Leonard, also known as C2021A1, the very first comet to ever be discovered of the year 2021. So, so something, something, something pretty exciting and good that came out of 2021, I would say. So um, this comet is moving relatively fast. Um, so compared to Earth, it's moving at about 158,000 miles per hour. It's also about 254,000 kilometers an hour or about 70.67 kilometers per second. So about, let's just estimate that at 71 kilometers a second. So that's moving really fast. Um, it's, it's super cool. I think we should for sure do a future episode about how astronomers even discover these things because it's, it's so fascinating, the amount of technology and optics that go into uh, modern day astronomy to, to discover these types of objects that are moving at these insane speeds. Um, and so knowing that it's moving this fast, um, after uh, reaching um, aphelion, so if you remember the name aphelion from before, that is the furthest point that an object is in its orbit from the sun. Helion is like helio, heliophysics, the sun. So it comes from that word, helio. And perihelion is the closest point that the object has to its sun, so the, to the sun, our sun. So it's currently approaching the sun, and then it's going to be looping back out all the way out into interstellar space. So going past our inner solar system, going all the way out to something known as the Oort cloud. So it's spelled O-O-R-T. The Oort cloud is this really cool sort of like area of icy objects and particles. So as I mentioned, the comet is made up of a bunch of icy particles um, and material. And so it's kind of this like spherical layer that you might see. I would recommend probably looking this up online so you can see the visual, but it's located just beyond our solar system between about 2,000 to 100,000 astronomical units from the sun. Let's rewind on AU because I know I got some new listeners here who maybe weren't here in the beginning of the podcast. One AU or astronomical unit is the distance that Earth is from the sun. And to give you perspective, that's 93 million miles. And the comet was about five AU from the sun. And the Oort cloud is around between 2000 to 100,000 AU from the sun. You might ask, okay, why is the, the parameter, why is the range so large? 2,000 to 100,000 is, is quite massive. That's the beginning of where the Oort cloud starts to the outer edge of the sphere, sphere of the Oort cloud. So again, if you look up an image, you'll see what I'm talking about. The, and the very beginning part of where the Oort cloud starts to the very outer edge where the Oort cloud ends is about 2,000 
um, astronomical units. The closest part, the furthest part is 100,000 astronomical units. So this comet most likely came from the Oort cloud and is going to be flying back out there. Um, there are billions of comets that orbit the sun um, that are mainly coming from the Oort cloud uh, and are yeah, relatively far. Uh, sometimes they can be nearly a quarter of the distance to the Alpha Centauri star system. Might have heard about this name before. If there's any listener here who's a fan of Rush, <laughs> there is a song, I believe it's called Alpha Centauri, unless I'm thinking Cygnus um, X9. But if anyone wants to join the, the call, if you're if you're a Rush fan, uh, you can go ahead and join now and, and, and save me from my um, temporary mishap of trying to remember which Rush song that was. But I will I will look that up later, and maybe I'll I'll check out what the copyright is of playing some of that music here, um, on on this podcast. But yeah, Rush Rush is just like so cool. I just go off on a tangent for a real quick moment. Um, they have so many amazing scientifically, um, driven songs. I know they have one about the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy, or the Milky Way galaxy, uh, Sagittarius A, um, and it's it's just like so awesome. I think that's a beautiful fusion between art and science. Um, and actually some future episodes that we have coming up are going to be with some of my really good friends in the space industry. Some uh, are engineers working on uh, current um, uh, spacecraft development that are going to be going to different moons of our solar system, like Titan and like Enceladus. And then I have some friends that are working in the field of um, fashion and science, so wearable tech, wearing things that um, are Wi-Fi capable. So I have some really cool designers coming on soon as well. So I cannot wait for that, but I'll definitely give a heads up before those happen. And then one of my like really good friends who um, is doing a bunch of really cool zero-G flights and awesome, awesome research um, on Pluto, on um, Mars, the sand dunes on Mars, on Titan. Uh, it's really funny. He's a really big Pluto advocate. If, uh, if you ever want to talk about whether or not Pluto's a planet, he is the person to talk to. His name is Dr. Kirby Runyon. I will definitely bring him on the show uh, because he is very pro calling Pluto a planet because it is a dwarf planet. Um, and he would say, and there's also hundreds of thousands of other planets we should be including in our solar system list when we tell kids about this in school. And it right away just makes me think as, as a teacher who's worked with lots of kids, sixth graders, fourth graders, and even high school kids in astronomy, how would we even make the solar system project with hundreds of thousands of planets? Um, and so that's always my response to him. So anyway, he will be on in a future episode. Um, but that basically sums up all of the info of how you can catch um, this comet. There are so many incredible things about um, not just this comet in general, but just other celestial bodies that can fling in towards our inner solar system. I don't know if anyone remembers the interstellar object known as Oumuamua. Uh, which was known and shown that by its trajectory, that it did not come from our inner solar system. Hence, it's, it was considered to be interstellar. So outside of our very own solar system. So really cool thing. Uh, that's about everything that I've got for today. Um, if anyone wants to join, if anyone has questions, I'm going to open that now to uh, my callers or my listeners here. You, What you can do is if you want to join, you tap the bottom, the button on the bottom right, and uh, you can join the call again if you have any questions at all. Um, and actually, I think we got a couple or one, one new person. Um, the other two just jumped off. But if you are in the southern hemisphere, can you just let me know by leaving a, an emoji, the tapping one of the emojis in the bottom right? 
Otherwise, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, then you're good to go. Um, this whole podcast just covered basically how you can um, see Comet Leonard in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, but if I do get expressed some interest about how you can see it from other regions on our planet south of the equator, then I will do another episode for that because you, I wouldn't want any of you guys to miss this comet. Uh, it's going to be visible for the rest of the month. And um, I, I'm really, really excited about that. And of course, when it comes closest to us on December 12th, keep that in mind. And then around December 17th is going to be a great time for you to um, catch it in your evening sky. So whether you're an early bird or uh, a, a night owl, you definitely have an opportunity to catch um, this comet overhead. Um, so, okay, well, I didn't get any requests for callers. So, oh, I did get a request for a caller. Awesome. Perfect timing. Lauren, I am adding you in now. All right, Lauren. Hello. How are you? In case you didn't unmute yourself, if you can just tap the bottom right. There it goes. Hear you just Sorry yet. about that. <laughs> awesome. No, that's all right. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I am in Washington State, which is typically very cloudy and wet and rainy at this time of year. Uh, but I will be traveling to Texas. Um, so okay. the, the instructions essentially are pretty much the same. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. The, the The main positive here is that you're going to have probably clearer skies and maybe even darker skies if you're going to be going to any regions. Uh, which which area of Texas are you going to, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Dallas. Dallas. Um, okay. Probably won't be until the twenty first, so I'm I'm I may have missed the window. Okay. Well, you'll still be able to see it until January third. Um. So you're you're good to go. Okay. Uh, and actually, around the twenty first is when it's gonna it might reach that brighter magnitude of about four. So you should be able to see it. But I would recommend probably not being in downtown Dallas if you can. Maybe going. Um. Let me see. There's a <laughs> yeah. lake, uh, Lake Louisville, I believe is where it is. I'm gonna look this up real quick. Um. But that might be a good option for you. Um. I know that's near Dallas, Lake Louisville. Um, they have, there is some elevation there, but the main exciting component is that it's going to be dark in that area. And also you won't really have many buildings. Um, so if you're able to do that drive, I do see it here. It would be, yeah, it'd probably be about a 40 minute drive from Dallas. Um, I would recommend maybe going there to try and catch the comet. I should. I, I misspoke. I'll technically be in Frisco. Oh, that's great! It, I think this is even closer to Frisco. Yeah. Okay, awesome. There you I'm go. looking at cool. the map right now. So yeah, if that, if, uh, if anyone else happens to be uh, in the Dallas area or Frisco, um, you're going to be really close to this lake, and I I would recommend definitely going there to try and catch the comet. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's, that's super exciting. And, and definitely, hopefully, you have clear skies by then. Um, hopefully, no crazy weather yeah. comes through. <laughs> With any luck. <laughs> yep, definitely. Right. Awesome. Thanks and so make much. sure you get your binoculars, of course. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for calling, Lauren. All righty. Awesome. Well, if anyone else wants to join the call, um, you can go ahead and do that in the bottom right. Um, otherwise, we are um, all out of time. Oh, wait, we've got Mario. Okay, let's see. Um, Mario, if you want to go ahead and unmute yourself and join the podcast. Hi, hello. Hello, how's it going? Oh, just 
pretty good, you know, just being very spacing. All right, awesome, awesome. So yeah. you got any questions about Comet Leonard? Oh yeah. Oh, I just wanted to to say something. Um, if any, if like anyone is like doubting whether it's worth it to you know really go the extra step and just make sure you go to a very non light polluted place, I'm telling you, it is worth it. So you, it's it's worth it's worth the effort. Now, yeah, there's only been one opportunity in my life where I got a, a very truly non light polluted night sky. It was when I went um, camping in Sequoia Park. It was. And I'm telling you that that really did change my life. That was the first time I saw a fully complete um, non-light polluted night sky. I've only seen pictures of it. They don't do it justice. And I'm being real when I say that thing really changed my life. I was a pretty tenuous part in my schooling and that the cognitive perspective I got from that really helped me make the right decision. So I'm telling you, it's worth it. And that's pretty much all I want to say. I love that. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you came on to say that. Um, Cause I think that that's a really important part. Um, I think about just this community in general is to um, really kind of affirm everyone that, Hey, I know that you might be exhausted. You'd rather sleep in and you know, you'd rather not drink coffee at three o'clock in the morning to set up your telescope and it's in the middle of winter. Um, but I love what you just said that it gave you the cosmic perspective to help you make the decisions you had to make about, about school or about your life at the moment. And that's really something that I love so much about astronomy and, and the universe is it gives you a totally different perspective than kind of what we're used to on a day-to-day basis. Um, so thank you for sharing that, Mario. That is, that is so awesome. That was really important that you, that you came on to say that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. You want to share anything else? Oh, no. Uh, I, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Mario. This was, was so great. Um, and everyone else, uh, Leah, p- please uh, do follow what Mario said as far as like, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're wondering if it's worth it or not, um, it certainly is. It, I think it really is. Um, per, I haven't actually, I've never seen a comet. Last summer, I was chasing down Comet Neowise all over New York City with hugging around like my, my binoculars, my telescope, my camera, my camera, my tripod, camera equipment, I mean, everything. And it was in the pouring rain and, um, uh, well, I, okay. I, I, it was clear skies at first and then it started to pour <laughs> pouring rain. I didn't go out when it was, when it was raining because you know, the whole sky would have, would have been covered with clouds, but it's, it's something that, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to try and make my, uh, you know, make this happen uh, this month to try and see Comet Leonard. And I highly recommend you try and see it as well. Um, and I bet it's going to just be so astonishing. And um, to give you a heads up, it's not going to be like a meteor or quote unquote, uh, a shooting star. It's going to be um, in the sky kind of slow. You're not going to see it moving by real fast. You're going to see it relatively stationary for a couple of hours and then it'll set once the sun comes up or vice versa in the middle of the night um, or not middle of the night, but when it's after sunset. So after the 17th, you're going to see it and then eventually it's going to sink below the horizon. So you're not going to really see it uh, fly by, which is going to be pretty cool. So I hope you all catch it. I hope you see it. Um, and I can't wait to maybe have an update with all of you on here afterwards. Maybe we can have like a, a really fun like conversation about what we saw and, and where the images will be shared and how we can check that out. 
Um, so thank you all so much for joining for this episode of Space Talk. Um, I had such a blast uh, talking with you all about Comet Leonard. I hope that you're all prepared to go catch it. Um, and I will catch you guys in a few days uh, to, to do another episode. I'll give a heads up of what it's going to be. Um, I am currently heading out to, to film a really cool science show that I'll share very soon about. I cannot wait till it releases. Um, and so I'll be gone for a few days, but I will be back on here um, hopefully by Friday or this weekend. But I hope you all have clear skies. And until next time, ad Astra.